What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Pro GK Podcast, the quarantine series. Hopefully, you guys are all staying sane, staying smart, self-quarantining, and hopefully we can come out of this sooner rather than later and be back on the field doing what we love to do, and that is playing the goalkeeping position. But today, guys, we have another special guest, and that is Paul Rogers, who is the first-team goalkeeper coach for the Houston Dynamo. He's been with the U.S. Women's National Team as well as the Canadian Women's National Team and is one of the best goalkeeping minds we have in this country. Super excited for you guys to hear this episode and his philosophies, methodologies, and his thought process as a coach and his advice to young goalkeepers that are trying to make it into the next level. And again, guys, if you guys are enjoying the podcast and you feel like it's really helping you out, please try and share it with another goalkeeper or somebody else who you feel might benefit from it. And also, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps my channel grow and this podcast be suggested to more people who would also be interested in listening to some goalkeeping content. So again, guys, stay safe, stay smart. Hopefully, we'll all see you guys on the field soon. Have a good one. Take care. Paul, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Sorry about that. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. It's happened to a few people now. I think sometimes uh, it, it goes by super fast and the comments continue to move. The thread continues to move, so it's hard to, to catch it. Uh, but how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, just getting settled in for the uh, for lunchtime with the family and then uh, a little bit of work this afternoon. For sure. I mean, I know for you, you've been going at it for, I mean, I can't even imagine. It's been a few years now without really much of a break, I'm sure, because you're always... I've heard from other from other your players and other players that have worked with you that you're a constant student of the game. So I'm sure there's not much time off. So in this time, what are you doing? Uh, right now, I've been doing some stuff with my own website. Um, obviously, going back through training footage, uh, the last two games, obviously, with the Dynamo, uh, making sure the goalkeepers are okay. And then been doing a lot of work with Jason Grubb and Ryan Coulter, doing, you know, putting sessions together. Um, just trying to keep the mind busy, really. That's good. So these guys have been on here for a few minutes now, but uh, just want to talk to you a little bit about your background as a coach and kind of where the game has taken you. So provides the, the viewer some context and kind of where their questions should be directed in terms of angles and things like that. Um, well, I've really done everything uh, or been exposed to everything in coaching. I won't say done everything, but I've been exposed to most areas of, of goalkeeping coaching in the game. Um, whether it be from playing, obviously, as a, as a youngster all the way to being pro, um, to coaching in college, coaching youth soccer, coaching professional and international soccer. So I've kind of dipped my finger in everything. Well, you've been with the U.S. Women's National Team. You've been with the Canadian uh, National Team as well. So uh, from that experience, how, how has that kind of groomed your philosophy and, and kind of your mentality as a coach? Um, I think my philosophy and mentality is the same no matter where I coach. Uh, I think most... Even the young keepers we work with here that are you know, between 8 and 15 years old, they'll tell you that the way we kind of work here with those is no different to what I would do with the, the full professionals or internationals. Obviously, maybe your tone changes a little bit, your language changes a little yeah. bit, but, but generally I, I keep to the same, same philosophy and, and expect the same kind of standards within their age groups. For sure. So in, in terms of your standards and, and what your expectations are, what is the, let's say, your few priorities when molding a goalkeeper and trying to, again, uh, uh, with, we spoke to Ian Foyer a few days ago, and when I see some of his goalkeepers, I kind of know that they've worked with him because of how sound they are in the bubble and how clean their technique is. So let's say if someone were to ask you, Paul, what's some of the things that people should notice with your goalkeepers that you've worked on with them? I think most would say technique is the first, um, probably the same as what you're saying about Ian. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm massive even with the pros day in, day out on how clean they are technically, or at least how they're setting themselves up to be technically to obviously produce the save or the handling or, or whatever it may be. 
Uh, I think most keepers that have worked with me, whether they're young, as I say, all the way through to the internationals, will hear some of the same messages. But obviously, you've got to adapt to the individual as well. It can't be Paul's way. It's got to be the best way yeah. for the goalkeeper. For sure. So I know Jason Grubb. I mean, the guy is, to, to me, as an up-and-coming coach myself, I, I've seen some of his content with the IGCC and some of the little snippets and sound bites that I've seen with him. And to me, he's well on his way to being a top-level coach like yourself. And seeing, seeing him day-to-day for you and in kind of recognizing him as like a promising young coach, what are some of the things that you noticed about him that set him aside from other coaches? Uh, Jay's a great coach, but he, he also cares about goalkeeping. So he cares about goalkeeping and he cares about the players. And for me, they're the first two things you need. Um, I'm sure you hear it all the time. You've got a lot of coaches that use goalkeeping as a way to get in, but then it's how quick can you become head coach? How quick can you become you know, a, a higher paid assistant? Um, with Jay, it's not that way. He loves goalkeeping. I mean, we're talking on the phone right now three or four times a day, obviously text messages and whatnot. He's, you know, I don't love the term student at a game, but mm. that's what he is. I would say he's an anorak for goalkeeping because it's beyond coaching. You know, you can talk to him about goalkeeping gloves. You can talk to him about, you know, kits that keepers wore back in the day. I mean, <laughs> you know, but, you know, on the flip side, in America, he's probably the, the most up-and-coming coach that I've that I've been around and hence why we got him here to the Dynamo in the first place. No, I would agree. Yeah, I've, I've, saw, I've seen his, uh, some of his content and when I watch it within probably a minute or two, I'm learning something new and it's definitely, it shows that the pedigree from top to bottom, I think one of your, your first goals when you step into the Dynamo was having a unified message from the academy to the first team because again, that's, the, that's the, the club's goal, right? To bring those academy products or those homegrown products to the first team to kind of build that bridge and, and show these kids that there's a, there's a way and there's a, there's a pathway to becoming a first-team goalkeeper, and that message shouldn't change from academy to, to first-team. No, for sure. And and obviously, once he came in, you know, I, we were saying on a podcast the other day, we have a lot of ideas that don't make it all the way through um, because, again, you're, you're restricted financially a little bit. But with people power and with coach power, the, the others we've got around us, with Brenton, with Ryan, you know, we've got a fantastic little group of coaches. And, you know, hopefully everything we put on, whether it be, from the academy on Friday nights to the Dynamo Academy to the free sessions, yeah, whatever we're doing, hopefully the same message is coming out and the same love for goalkeeping is coming out. Got it. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and go into these questions real quick. And then, uh, again, feel free to take as long as you need for any of these answers. Uh, Miguel underscore Martinez 21. He says, what has been the biggest challenge for you as a goalkeeper coach at every level you have been at? Biggest challenge, I would say, is with the levels I've been at, it's been keeping everybody happy or at least everyone pushing in the same direction. Obviously, with the national teams, you're going to have a you know, two or three that are in camps, and then you've got goalkeepers trying to get in. With the pros, it's the same. Um, it's making sure everyone's getting better, not just the main one of the group, obviously, your starting goalkeeper. Um, of course, they're going to be a focus, but it's keeping everyone else up to par and challenging, because as soon as you get complacency, then obviously the level of the number one goes down the two to three, and that affects the environment. So... Keeping everyone going in the same direction, I'd say, is the is the, the biggest challenge that you have day to day. So I've seen one of your videos on from Houston Dynamo, and I think it was a preseason video where you were discussing how when the season starts, you and the other goalkeepers are have individual meetings, and you say, "Hey, this is what I want your goal to be, or let's discuss a goal for you throughout the season." And you know, once the season kind of gets into full swing, are you constantly going back to those conversations and saying, "Look, you know, this is where you are. 
based off of our conversation, this is where your goal is at, and maybe set new goals along the way? Or is it more about the number one and just kind of the business side and making sure that they're they're ready to go? No, it's definitely about the group. And that would include for us now with a Dynamo where RGV goalkeepers are at, obviously where the academy goalkeepers are at as well. They're not my goals. They're, you know, I want to hear what their aims are, what their targets are for that season. But then on top of that, I want to give them some, you know, I don't want to say a reality check, but give them the, you know, the reality of what's going on, where my head's at, where the head coach's head's at, where the club's head's at. Because I've found the more open and honest you are from the beginning, the much easier it is as you go through. Because then when the dark days come or decisions have to be made, it's a lot smoother rather than, you know, me having to turn around and go, so-and-so said this or mm. so-and-so's opinion is this. For me, I would sort of take it on the chin straight from the get-go and then deal with it there and then. So if we set that up from pre-season, um, I think most of the keepers that I've worked with will tell you that I'm pretty open and honest with them. Sometimes probably a bit brutal with them, but <laughs> it's needed, you know, whether yeah. they're young or old. Yeah, I think that, I mean, even for me as a young coach, I've thought about this as well. It's when you step into an environment with different personalities and different levels and the mindset sometimes is you want to keep it business, but you also want to develop those relationships and making sure you're walking that fine line of being honest and brutally honest sometimes because that's kind of what the nature of the position is as a, as a goalkeeper coach and, and you being the manager of that unit per se. And sometimes you also want to befriend them and make sure they feel comfortable letting you know, you know, certain vulnerabilities that they may have or conversations that would help you get into their psyche to help prepare them better for games and training sessions. Would you say that's a, one of those things as a coach that you're constantly learning and, and trying to evolve with? Yeah, I've tried to, tried to stay away from the real friendships because mm -hmm. at the end of it, you know, I, I tend to tell all of them, you know, I'm there for them. I'll do everything I can for them, whether at the club or at the team, even after. I've maintained, you know, working relationships with goalkeepers that have come and gone. But if you get too close to them, you're going to cause yourself problems. You know, I don't need to know where they live. I don't need to know yeah. too much about yeah. their, you know, their other half or their family. Yeah, I've got to know a little bit to get a feel for the person. But I can't get too attached and they shouldn't get too attached because at the end of it, you're trying to do a job as a group. Um, I don't want that to sound heartless because you do have, <laughs> no, to, you really do have, to, you do have to care. But yeah. I've, I've seen it myself with goalkeeping coaches and the number one getting what I would class too close. And then you're not getting what, what's needed for the rest of the group. That's a great answer. Yeah, I think helps, it helped me to hear that. That's, that's good. Uh, okay, so we have a question here from Ludo, GK Trainer. Uh, Ludo, my man, he says, based on age, what criteria do you use to recruit a goalkeeper? Um, we're going through it right now with the academy. Uh, Jason's got a good group of keepers coming in next year, and we've got a good group in at the moment, and it's taken time to get them in. Now, every age group is going to be different. If I'm looking at a, an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old, you know, there's just going to be basic want to play the position. You know, you can't talk mm. about athletic ability, size, uh, technique at that age. It's, it's for me the want to be around the goal. Obviously, as you get older, it, it changes dramatically, and I think in the modern you know, the modern game, which is now the last five, six years, you're talking size, you know, has become more prominent when people are scouting. Doesn't mean it's the be all and end all. It's not the only thing. But we found here at the club, there's been a lot of goalkeepers that have come through that just don't have a high enough talent to match the size that they're not. Mm. And that's kind of what you're looking for if, it's, if someone's undersized and, and the same with, you know, uh, athleticism, etc. So when scouting, it's, it's very different. We've just gone through it with the first team because we scouted new keepers for the first team and brought a couple in. And, you know, I, I can't stay away from the fact they're both six foot four plus. Um, <laughs> they're, you know, with, with the one I already had, six foot five, 
with one that you know got traded away was six foot five. I mean, it just has become part of the modern game, unfortunately, because of the speed of the game and the goal coverage that's needed. But it doesn't mean you can't be smaller. That just seems to have been a major factor. After that, it's experience, how quick do they pick up on the game. We can do technical training all day long, but if they don't understand the game, it, it becomes very difficult. And I think we've all seen that with 16, 17, 18-year-olds. No, I agree. I think that's a tough part too where you – not tough part, but the, the reality of it is you bring some guys in from college and you think – you know, based on their potential, you're bringing these guys in. And sometimes they don't work out for whatever reason. And sometimes whether it's the, you know, they're not picking up on certain things that you want as a coach and they're not able to adapt and adjust to the speed of the game. And it's the reality. And, and sometimes you kind of have to say, okay, let's move on to the next piece. Like you said, sometimes you can't get too close to them because it is a business at the end of the day. And for you, it's important to put the best product out there for the club. So that's the, uh, yeah, it's the beauty, of, beauty and the beast of the professional game. We have a question from LDH Rogers. He says, what level have you enjoyed coaching the most? That'll be my wife, by the way, that's asking oh. you questions. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I should have known the Rogers part. <laughs> but I'll answer it. Um, I would say I enjoy working with young goalkeepers that have the love for the game. I think so, I get some of the most enjoyment out of that. We do sessions on a, on a Friday night here in town, and these, some of these goalkeepers aren't the most talented, but they want to be there. And when you have that, that player that wants to be there, it's, you can see the changes quicker with them. When you're dealing with pros, you're not going to see changes overnight. You might mm -hmm. not see changes for months on end. Um, you know, so as, as coaching and teaching, I would say probably the 12 to 16. But I actually think I'm better working with pros just because more of my demeanor, more of my kind of detail to what needs to be done probably adheres more to them. But I, it's a it's an interesting one because I run obviously performance goalkeeping, which I don't need to run, but we do it because it's a love, not just a need, you know. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of it too. When it comes to the to coaching, I mean, you have to really love it. Anything anything you do, and it's like the just being fully immersed in it and kind of we talked to Chris Sharp recently. It's kind of like you know just being obsessive about it. And the reason why you do something is because you love it. And I think that's the first kind of. Uh, qualification as a coach to get into this is that you really want to be in it for the kids and you want to be in it for the development and I think obviously you've been it for, you've been in it for long enough and a lot of people I've spoken so highly of you over the years that you're obviously doing the right thing Paul so whatever you're doing keep on doing it and right here from uh Jill Lloyden good friend of ours I think uh TKI she says Paul's honesty changed my career best thing he could have ever done for me and I think that's, again, that's a testament to just kind of staying true to who you are. It's not babying the message, making sure that you're stern and you, if you have values and you have certain uh, ideas for what a goalkeeper should look like and how you can help them, you know, help mold them. If it has to be a tough conversation, move forward with it. Yeah, no, Jill's, Jill's a quality goalkeeper and she's actually obviously gone on to be, you know, a very good coach. Um, but if I look at the one thing that sits with Jill, she loves the position. She loves football. You know, it's it's she's one of those players that you could have just sat with and talked about football all day long, um, talk about goalkeeping with all day long, and you look at what she's gone on and done, um, and will go on and, and do more. But a lot of experience, and you know, she's she's come up a different way as well. She wasn't given everything. She worked very hard at a few things that are, are very difficult as a as an athlete, but even more so as a female athlete, and she overcome a lot of you know a lot of situations that popped up in her career, and has dealt with it and and moved on to probably now what you'd say is the top end she is yeah she has a great academy if you guys haven't seen it tki keep her institute on all social media handles check that out one of the best out there okay let's get back to these questions here we have uh, man city till i die 
I'm a quite a, I'm quite a small goalkeeper. I'm only five nine. Advice for helping smaller goalkeepers combat the disadvantages of their height. Uh, it's, it's a simple one because it's a question we get all the time. But your understanding of the game, your connection to the team, and timing. Timing's going to become everything because you don't have the maybe the physical size to to deal with certain situations. Um, but understanding the game, whether you're five foot nine or six foot five, that's the biggest part of it. There's some goalkeepers, especially here in America, that have gone on. I mean, John Bush. You know, I think his profile says six foot, but I don't think he's ever been six foot. Uh, <laughs> Bush, he's gone on and had a great career. Obviously, we can all talk about how great Nick Romando was. But there's goalkeepers beyond that. I mean, you go back to the 90s in, in England with Shea Given. Shea wasn't the biggest keeper, but for me, he was an idol and probably one of the most, probably the cleanest technician that I've seen as a goalkeeper. So understanding the game, understanding, you know, your position into the team, understanding your position into to the situation that's going on, both body shape as well. Uh, that's going to be the key thing. Got it. Yeah, I think that's that's very important. It's a good reminder that you have to have those redeeming qualities, those intangibles. I've talked to Chris Sharp again. He says just making sure that you have a good IQ for the game and, and your height shouldn't be the focal point anymore. Like if you're short and you're not good at crosses, there's an issue. You got to start filling in those holes. You have less, maybe less of a pull or less of a slack from some of the coaches because the profile is a little bit taller nowadays. It's just a reality and what the game is offering and what the game is asking of the goalkeepers. But again, it's important to uh, to you know fill up those holes that you may not have because of height let's see oh from phil wedden he says paul i know how passionate you are about coaching for younger coaches and then parentheses like me what do you think is critical for them to develop um yeah I, I, it's a question that i ask myself as well um because we talk about obviously the licensing situation in america for goalkeepers is is non-existent you know, when you when you want to develop as a young coach, one, you've got to expose yourself to different environments. I think a lot of young coaches are like, well, I want to go watch the pros. I want to go watch the internationals. What's wrong with going to watch, you know, a college goalkeeping coach work or, you know, a youth club one that's dealing with 15 keepers in a small space? You'll learn from all of them. I mean, obviously, Phil runs the IGC and, and that's become a great sort of focal point for goalkeeping in the US to go and see sessions, see different people. Um, but they're all people at the top of the game. It's sometimes it's better to go and put yourself around people that aren't at the top of the game and see what they're doing as well. I have a young goalkeeping coach at the club right now and his work rate is phenomenal, but his want to get to the top is too much. It's too quick. And, you know, I keep having to explain to him, as, as Jason does as well, you, you've got to take small steps to get there. You don't go from, oh, I just went and did, you know, did a little license and, you know, I work with, 30 goalkeepers a week to suddenly working at the international stage. It's bigger than just goalkeeping. Now you're talking about football. Now you're talking about understanding of how teams work, how groups of goalkeepers work. So it's, it's all about exposure. And the more you can put yourself to put, put out there and experience, the better you're going to be. Look right now with this, you know, with this kind of quarantine, stuff like what you're doing is going to be massive for a lot of people because now people can ask questions. There's a lot of good stuff being posted on social media. There's some dodgy stuff posted as well, but <laughs> you've got to take both sides of it. But it is, it's just fully exposing yourself to different areas and asking the question. You know, I tell the kids we work with, even as goalkeepers, the first question you should ask is why? Why am I doing this? Don't just do it. Okay, you're going to go for a couple of cones and then you're going to go here and then you're going to go there and then a the ball's going to get hit at you. Brilliant, but why? Mm -hmm. And I would ask the same with goalkeeping coaches. Why did you set up certain sessions? Some sessions or, or exercises we set up are, ridiculous and we all know it but we do it there's still a reason why we should be doing it we shouldn't be doing it because it looks good on instagram or it looks good on twitter yeah we should be doing it for a purpose and 
for me, when you're a young coach, these are the things you've got to learn. And just because you played the position doesn't mean you're suddenly going to be out of coaching. Yeah, it's that importance of trial and error, especially with the process as a coach. You're just constantly learning. And I'm sure you, Phil Wedden, who are, you know, goats and godfathers of the, of the position here in the U.S. and across the world, you guys are constantly learning, always trying to get better. And again, from the top down, it's important to hear that kind of a message from somebody like yourself to reestablish that belief as, as younger coaches sometimes where we're trusting that process and sometimes halfway through we're realizing maybe we're teaching something wrong or we're going to have to go back to the drawing board and try to reevaluate what we're doing. But it's that constant evolution, and I'm sure you can attest to that like you just said. Yeah, I'll give you an example, not to drag the question out. No. But Brenton, Brenton Saylor, who's, who's now the first-team goalkeeper coach for the Dash uh, here in Houston, he called us when we, when we first started doing the training programs, so our own training programs on a Friday to kind of bring kids into the academy. Brenton called us and said, can I come watch sessions? Yeah, no problem. Brenton turns up, watch the sessions. Brenton keeps turning up, watching the sessions. Now we're asking questions. Now we're in discussion. Now he was the goalkeeping coach at Rice or assistant coach at Rice at the time. Now he's full-time with the club. Now he's getting offered jobs left, right and centre. And I'm not saying just by going to see somebody does it happen, but Brenton wasn't trying to make it happen. It just happened because he put himself in situations where he's being exposed to a different level and different conversations. And I'm sure he won't mind me saying, but he's become a very, very good goalkeeping coach. Now, to say is he better than he was before we met him would make it sound like we're saying it's about me and Jason and, and the club, but it's not. It's about him. He wanted to do it. You know, he, he didn't have the connections maybe, and he went out and he, he went and met different coaches, obviously utilised what was in his driving range. And, you know, now I think he's in a very good position. I mean, he's working with an international goalkeeper day in, day out. Yeah, I think that's... It's a great point, too, is just put yourself in the right positions to constantly learn without any, ex any expectations of what those people can do for you other than just learning from their concepts and their methodologies. And again, taking what you like, taking what you don't like, and then moving forward with your own thoughts. Uh, okay, we have one from Dom Coleman, which is kind of, tr uh, it, tr it takes what we just talked about and puts it into, I think, full perspective now. And it's, what are the requirements you think needed to be a successful goalkeeper coach at the first team level? Um, well, first and foremost, you've got to understand the game at the professional level. You know, I know when goalkeeping licenses first kind of got big in, in England with the UEFA licenses, everyone was, why do you need a field player one before you can take a goalkeeper one? And there's the answer to that question, because you're coaching a team before you're coaching a player. Of course, my job at the Dynamo, no difference to my job in the national team, was to oversee the goalkeeping development. But there is a connection to the game. It's not you over there doing your goalkeeping, then you just come in with the team. You've got to understand the game at the professional level. You've got to understand the inner workings at the professional level, which a lot of people think are simple when they're not, not at all. I mean, there's a, a long list of good things and bad things that I could tell you, and they're, they're the bits you've got to understand first. Now, the actual goalkeeping coaching side is you need to have the knowledge of how to put together a season, how to put together an off-season, how to put together your periodization from year to month to day to session. You know, and this does, doesn't include an hour and a half on the field. You're now talking gym work, you're talking video work, you're talking analysis, opponent analysis, you know, the development of a player without being attached to them as a person. Mm. You know, I mean, there's plenty of goalkeepers I've really enjoyed working with, but at some point they've got to go because they're either too good or not good enough. And that is a, they're all skills you pick up as you go along but you've also are that type of person to be able to deal with it as well. For me, I believe that there are certain coaches that fit certain environments. 
doesn't mean they can't branch off of them, but they have strengths in their environment. That's a great answer. Uh, okay, Paul, let me get going with this one. Salim.jana01 says, what goalkeeping techniques from different parts of the world do you not share or like? It's a good question because it's, it's one that I'm exposed to here in, in Houston because we've got a massive South American Latino um, influence down it. And at first I probably resisted. And now you get to a point where you've got to understand one shoe doesn't obviously fit all. Yeah. And I'm, I'm more with the young, young goalkeepers that we have in the academy. And you've got to embrace some of it. Now, there's things in what you call European-style goalkeeping, Spanish, German, English, um, that I don't like. I don't like how lackadaisical goalkeepers are with their handling at any time. How, you know, we, we talk about swinging arms and, you know, the, the preset or the, pre, you know, the pre-shot. But it works for some, it doesn't work for others. That then becomes a timing issue. And you know, a lot of people talked about Kepper and the timing being off, but we don't talk about Manuel Nur, whose timing typically he gets it right and yes. his goal coverage is massive. It's the same technique. It's just two different body styles doing it and two different sets of timing. Um, so there's none that I would say I don't like. Um, what I don't like with goalkeeping is taking the easy road out. I think a lot of goalkeepers choose to block or put themselves in positions to block when they can actually react and save. I think a lot of goalkeepers take the easy route of dropping to the line when they can hold a position and stand. For me, I would prefer to put the pressure onto the attacking player rather than give the attacking player more options. So that, there's not really one that I would turn around and go, oh, I dislike German goalkeeping or I dislike this. <laughs> because if we talk about distribution, you know, everyone's now on the side volley. Well, that didn't pop up in England, I can tell you. Um, yeah. You know, that's obviously come from Latin America and, and, and South America and is now worldwide. You know, the days of the big volley are long gone. Although I've seen a couple of people do it in the last, <laughs> last year. Um, but, you know, it, it, but then I look at it another way and say, why is everyone doing it? When a drop kick, I look at a Stefan Fry, whose drop kick's unbelievable. Why change it? Why? Because you've got to do a side volley because everyone says that's what we do nowadays. Yeah. Um, it's like a throw. The throw is a lost, a, just a lost art. Because a good throw, especially here in America, we've had some keepers here that can be unbelievable with their hand service. Um, then, you know, bring it out. Let them do it. Because it can be as accurate, it can be quicker, and you have a little bit more control over it. Well, that's how Tim Howard uh, won us, or not won us, yeah, won us the group in 2010. So I think that was the big throw across the field and got us a counterattack, and we all know what happens after that. But <clears throat> I think, again, to, to build off your point there, Paul, I think for me, one of the biggest things that I've had to learn from from getting into coaching and kind of where I'm at now is understanding that how I was taught there's not just one way to do it you can't just be successful at one way so that when you coach it if somebody is good at something you have to allow them to be successful that maybe like you said if their arms are swinging and you're you may not be a fan of it hey let's watch the film let's see on this one right here when your arms are getting stuck behind your back and the shot is coming let's try and time that a little bit better so do you feel like over the years you've, you've noticed technique that may not be aligned with your philosophies, but you've had to work with goalkeepers and kind of how do you handle that? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's, there's been plenty of bits and pieces that come up. I mean, I'm goalkeepers. I work with Taylor. I'll get into full on arguments with them in the middle of training, <laughs> but the camera doesn't lie. So typically either things are going well, camera comes out, we show all the good stuff. This is why it's working, blah, blah, blah. Or the camera's not been out, suddenly appears because we need to go and talk about what's going on. Maybe I feel... The goalkeeper was doing better at a certain situation and now they've kind of changed it and now it's not working as well. And, and I think that's what goalkeeping is. 
it's not like, oh, I'll work on my set shape. Great, that's brilliant. Now I'll work on coming for crosses. No, that's brilliant. It just, it's peaks and valleys constantly. You know, your set shape comes off, your footwork gets better, then you need to work back on your footwork again. So it's, it's a total evolution the whole time of who you are as a goalkeeper. Um, dealing with it, for me, with the pros is easy because one, you can be a lot more brutal with them and a lot more honest and they typically want it and they want to have the conversation with you. I love a conversation in training, the keepers will tell you, to go back and forth. But afterwards, you've still got to come to a, you know, an agreement between you how we're going to work on it and how we're going to get that goalkeeper better. You know, For sure. I've, got, I've got three keepers right now, a simple ball in, in by their feet. All three of them deal with it differently, which I never thought I'd have because typically there's been a, a little bit more of consistency between the three. I can't mm -hmm. say any of them are wrong because the ball's not going in and it's sticking, but they all do it slightly different. That's again. That's that's that shows you that it's not just one way to make a save, and I think that's that's the beauty of the position. I think it's for me at least as a coach, and I've had way more appreciation over the years that there's not just one way to do it, and I can't force feed somebody if it's not going to work for them. Uh, okay, we have a question here from one of my former goalkeepers, Braden Hat. He says, "What's more important for scouting a pro goalkeeper: technical ability in a goalkeeper session, or simply just making saves?" And I think that's uh, for me, Paul, to kind of add on to that. I think that's been my my question over the years is that I've noticed some goalkeepers are not good in training. They just, one, they don't care, or two, their technical ability is just not there and they don't really, just, it's just not something that's important to them. But when they step on the field, their IQ, the intangibles, everything about them, their shot-stopping ability, just keep the ball out of the net. Their IQ and feel for the game is, is unbelievable. So do you feel like you've ever come across that? And if so, how did you deal with that? Yeah, I, I think we talk about scouting goalkeepers. Obviously, we've just brought in a, a Croatian goalkeeper, Marco Maric, um, over from, he was he was at Hoffenheim, but on loan at, at Lilsham. And I never really saw him train. I mean, I saw a few clips of, of footage of him training, but I saw him live and obviously saw him on tape many a time. And one of the things when I went to watch him live was going to watch the warm-up. I wanted to make sure that each time I saw the warm-up, because there is some technical aspect, obviously, in the warm-up that you can, is controlled, it's less hectic. You see, you get a feel plus the game. But obviously, they're dealing with a game. You, you're signed to win games. You're not signed to train. Then I've got the reverse of it in Michael Nelson, who's a, a young goalkeeper. He's not so young now. Uh, goalkeeper here from Texas, who, to be honest, when I look at what he knew technically, I wasn't overly impressed. But his ability to make the save is phenomenal. And now I look at him, he's very technical because he's worked at it. We've done that in three years. And I look and I say, yeah, if, I'd, if, if I'd have had that lad at 12, oof, we'd be dangerous. Because his, his ability to make a save and his want to make a save are frightening. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. he's fear, like beyond fearless. But these are, the, these are the different things you come up with and you've got to see through. When you go back to the question about how do you become or, or dealing with being a pro coach, these are the things you've got to be able to do. You know, it's not a case to just go out and pick the best goalkeeper. I mean, I wish it was. <laughs> got, got, a shop, got a shopping list um, but you know I look at the, I look at the group that we've got now and you've how did I look at them all Michaels was more through training and being around him Cody used him with a club now I've always liked when I've watched him in games you know and, and I've talked to people that yeah I've said good things I've said not good things but everything I've seen has been fantastic and then and then Marco was was obviously a project that you know we've done at the club and, and gone and found but they're all different goalkeepers. They all train different as well. So it's, uh, it's a big mix. Agreed. 
So I have a question for you that uh, is not on this list, but something that, again, as a, as a young coach, it's sometimes you're trying to figure out the ebbs and flows of coaching and your own philosophy and building your own voice in a session or on paper and how you want to, to mold a goalkeeper of your own. And from your your past, do you ever remember that like aha moment or that moment where you had one goalkeeper that you had for three, four years and you realize, okay, how I train that person or that, that male or female goalkeeper, that is how I'm going to continue moving forward with my development of a goalkeeper. You know what I mean? Is it like, is it, is it ever that moment that you go, wow, it worked like that? What I thought was working based off on like drawing it out and seeing it, the process through it worked. And that's how I'm going to approach everything from now. No, I, that's never been the case for me. I don't, really know how I got into coaching if I'm honest I mean I know I went off and did licenses when I was in college and whatnot because I didn't want to do business studies or <laughs> any anything else so I went and did the, the FA license UEFA license so you get doing it but I guess people have influences on you you don't even realize and I look at, I've been so lucky to be around some of the coaches and coach educators that I've been around that I probably picked things up I know what I don't want to be and I think I try and keep myself in track that way but nothing has happened where it's been one player or one situation and I've, I've turned around and said okay this is who I'm going to be as a coach how I build sessions how I go about that stuff I think that's more my personality I like to be very detailed with it which is funny because there's other areas of my life where I have no detail whatsoever <laughs> um, but I have, I have a process that I do a process that obviously I've, I've pushed into Jason and to Ryan and, and they already had that skill as well and we all do a very similar way. Again, there's no right and wrong. I know a lot of coaches that put everything down on paper, but they go on the field and they can't do it. And the same ones that can do it on the field, but if you gave them a laptop, they'd be struggling. So yeah. there, there is such a mix. I just think probably it's down to influences from either coaches that worked with you that you were like, oh, I like how he or she was, or coaches you work with where you're like, I just don't want to become that. And then different things from different people. I, I said to Phil Wedden the other day, we're chatting on the phone and I said, you know, when you go to these sessions now, when you go to conferences and, and all this stuff, yeah, when you're younger, you go to watch the exercise because you're like, oh, a new exercise. But now you can write a ton of exercises. I mean, we could sit here today and put together 30 exercises that we've never done because you've just seen so much of it. It's not because you're good or you're bad or whatever. It's just because you've seen it. Now, when you go to these sessions, what I tend to watch now is how do they present? How do they talk to the player? What were their mannerisms? How long did they talk for? You know, how long was each exercise? You start looking at the structure more than the content. Because content, this is, this is why for me social media is, is brilliant and scary. Because there's content out the wazoo. But there's not structure and reason with that content. And we have this conversation all the time at the club with Jason and, and, and Brenton and Ryan is how do we put that content across without just making someone do an exercise but i'm having no idea why you're doing the exercise you know and and how you structure things so for me there's there's that there's that kind of balance that is probably how i became how i am and i don't know if i'm great or i'm, I'm terrible you know things work but the the things that i do ask at the end of the year to the, the pro goalkeepers is what didn't you like like what would you do different if you were me and you know, I've had some that have given me, give me blunt and truthful answers. Um, but you've got to take that on board as well, because at the end of it, you're trying to get through to humans. You're trying to teach and educate. And if you just keep saying, oh, it's Paul Rogers way, it's Paul Rogers way, it's Paul Rogers way, it ain't going to work. So that's, that's kind of my view on that. 
if I could have drawn up an answer, Paul, that would have been it. That was that was such a great answer. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, so from Logan Bittner, he says, what should a younger goalkeeper focus on that they may not be prioritizing at the moment? Uh, I think most young goalkeepers prioritize shot stopping. Um, I think as you get on in the game, shot stopping is, if you can't do it, you're not going to go on in the game. So it's it's looking at the other phases of the game. And then when you're doing your exercises, do them in relation to the game, not relation to the goal. You know, even mm-hmm. with a pro level, it, it, for me, coaching, when you're, when you're teaching 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, is actually the same as teaching pros, except the pace is a lot quicker. It's very basic, very simple. You know, they're not, you're not having to make them jump through hoops or whatever because they know the game. You're just sharpening up that small movement. When you get in between between 12 and 18, now you're trying to keep the sessions, you know, interesting, but you also need to relate it to the game. And, you know, you go out and watch a lot of, especially private goalkeeping coaches, and it's a lot of shot stopping. Okay, but where are they moving from and to? When you're doing a shot stopping exercise, are they always moving from the goal line up? Or are they moving from the 18-yard box back? Because for me, and one thing we've, we've added over the last few years is everything has to be with us moving backwards. Say everything. But a lot of stuff has to be <laughs> yeah. about moving backwards because that's where the ball's coming from. Of course, there's going to be reaction activities where we come from the post, but rarely do we start at the club with our goalkeepers in the middle of the goal. And I'm sure you can go and find a video of us doing it, but it's very rare that we start in the middle of the goal and we move out because we're not there. And I think with young goalkeepers, that's what they do a lot of. It's already in a controlled environment. You've got to be able to put it beyond that, whether it be 1v1s, crosses, whatever. Move from where you actually would be in the game and that's how you can try and mimic the game without obviously having you know 21 more field players or 20 field players and another goalkeeper around so it's little things like that and making sure you touch every topic distribution crosses 1v1s communication um, trying to get all those things into your sessions agreed i think that's also i put a little bit of ownership or like responsibility on the on the player as well to if you're not getting exactly what you just said those game realistic movements where it's not always just one dimensional i'm stepping off you know two yards to get to a shot or just one little maybe cross step over from the middle of the goal versus going from the pk spot from the 18 where balls are being played over the top now where you have to recover back to your line find your footing find your set position on the move reestablish that position then be able to get a power dive off or a push off so it's important for the younger goalkeepers as well that if their coach isn't training that that they ask that and they, they tell their coach, hey, I would like you to provide this kind of training or else I'm going to go elsewhere. So I think it's important for them as well to to take take ownership of that. And uh, from Jack Stern from FC Cincinnati, good guy. He says, some great answers, Paul. A pleasure to listen to. Couldn't agree more with your point about exposing yourself to as much as possible as a young coach. Those experiences will be valuable later on. Another great coach. And I, 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 would, I would really hope that you guys continue to keep posting your sessions because when you guys post your stuff online, young coaches like me, again, I'm not looking at the exercises anymore. I'm looking at your coaching points and why you drew something up. So if you, if you could please do that for me, Paul, keep posting those. That'd be great. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to keep going down here. Okay. Uh, from first choice goalkeeping, he says, what is your focus when heading into preseason? Is it technical, goalkeeper fitness, uh, just combination of all three? Um. It's, a, it's an area where I think the game has moved on where players come in fit. A lot of players come in fitter than they were. Now, there's being fit and there's goalkeeper fit, two different things. I don't think I add fitness to any anything that I do. I might add a rep. I might add a set. Um, I've been lucky, again, that I've been around some of the, the best sports scientists um, that have been available. 
um, even from a young age. So I've had a better, I wouldn't say I understand it, but I have an understanding of how to periodize it and how to mm. format the whole, the whole situation. Here at the club with Paul Caffrey, who's fantastic, one, he has taken a liking to the goalkeepers because the goalkeepers are taking a liking to him. So it's been very easy. Yeah, do you look at some and say they could be fitter here, fitter there? For me, they've got to be able to do the job. So in pre-season, if they can do the job, fitness should come with it. Yes, we, we have heavier sessions, we have lighter sessions. But if you just go out doing fitness goalkeeping, you're going to be dead after three days and now you're into the injury situation. So for me, pre-season is about, for the pros, is about them getting back sharp, seeing the ball, getting their movements right, getting the video out and showing them where we need them to be. It's it's pretty simple. I mean, we obviously are going to get, we were meant to get a longest pre-season next season in the MLS. Yeah. Obviously, with what's going on now, we don't know what's going to happen. I do think it's needed because we do tend to cram too much into too small, smaller, you know, set of time. I think if we get that little bit extra, that extra week, two weeks, now you can start really working on the technical side of the distribution. You've got more time to do, you know, shorter sessions and be more specific with certain things. Got you. Okay, and then uh, this is another question for coaches. I know this, is, this episode has been a lot about coaches, but again, to, to have you on here to me, is, it's important to get that information out there for those guys. And for me, it's, you know, as coaches, we're, we're as we progress and get higher, to higher and higher levels, we're constantly saying that, you know, we're, I'm confident in my coaching ability, my, I'm confident in my philosophies and my methodologies and how I'm approaching the position, but I'm also walking that fine line of, okay, I can't get complacent. I can't over, you know, I can't be overconfident. I got to continuously approach each day like it's a new one. So how have you been able to manage that over the years with different opportunities that you've gotten, whether it's from your own academy and then going to the uh, the Canadian national team, and then from the U.S. national team, and now with Houston Dynamo, how have you kind of been able to manage those ebbs and flows? Uh, I think one, you, you have a, I have a personality that I don't like to, to fail. Also, I've been around people that have always pushed me. And I think because I've got a personality where you can, I can be pushed, then it's no different to a player where you can put the, you know, some you can push and they go on further. Some you can't push and they crumble. And then it's surround yourself with, with better people. Don't be afraid to have good people around you to question you. Um, no different to what I would, I've never been a head coach, but assuming if you're a head coach, you have that choice of bringing in people that are going to agree with you all the time or you bring in people that, you know, in the right situation can, can go backwards and forwards with you. I'm surrounded with people that are okay. You know, they're comfortable to say what they want to say. Jason in particular, and we've talked about him a couple of times. He knows he can say whatever he wants to say. And he knows he's going to get told whatever I want to tell him. But I've also got to open my ears and listen to that. You know, you, you talked about growing up and some of the names that I've been around are the top, what I class the top of the game. And if I don't listen, well, it's my own fault. You know what I mean? And yeah. if, I don't, if I don't think there's someone younger that's got more energy, more ability, more knowledge than me, then, you know, I'm silly as well because that's, that's the evolution. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. I've no doubt by the time Jason's in a role that I'm in, he'll be much better than me. You know, I've now got Ryan, Ryan Coulter down at RGV. And this is, you know, uh, been a step for Ryan who's come into the USL Championship. But Ryan's got the background that, again, I've got no doubt with a little bit of guidance, he's going to be one of the best around because he's got the basic stuff. He's done the licensing. He understands the relationship between coach education and coaching experience. And he's got an open mind and passionate about goalkeeping. So if you've got those three things, you will not yeah. fail. You just won't fail. You just got to wait for the right opportunity. 
Paul, another great answer. Thank you for that one. That was huge. Uh, my buddy Armando, he says, talk me through one of your film sessions with the professional players. Like, what do you key into with them? Is it obviously different for each player? And, and how do you have those conversations with them? Typically, the game footage is done, you know, day after the game, et cetera, et cetera. And we just go through, you know, the clips that I feel uh, are relative to what, what we've been working on or what went well, what went poor. And obviously the goalkeeper will have a say in if there's any extra clips they want to see as well. So that's that's fairly, you know, fairly simple, the, the game footage. Training video, I go back and forward with. Sometimes I show a lot of it. Sometimes I show very minimal. But I take footage for myself as well, for what I might miss. You know, I need to do a little better, bit better, et cetera, et cetera. So the sessions with the keepers could last anywhere from 15 minutes to 45 minutes. They really can. You tend to want to keep your meeting short. But if the conversation's going, that, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get to an end point where, you know, it, it, you're both coming out of there clear, whether it's been bad stuff or good stuff. Sometimes you sense a keeper getting a bit antsy when you're doing a video, then you cut it short. But it, training footage, you're probably looking at, you know, probably 10 minutes worth of video, which will take you 20 minutes. And then your game footage is depending on what you, what you get talking about. And obviously then that goes into the team as well. You start talking about team situations and, and building on from maybe the analysis that's been done by the by the head coach and the assistants. Mm. You know, I, there's been periods in my career where I've done training footage way too much, like way too much, almost daily. And then you can overfeed, in my opinion. You can overfeed the player and, and stress the player out. Um, for me, it's about drip feeding it now. You know, other than the games, the games need to be done. Agreed. Uh, so one of the to, to build off your point in terms of the, the, the training sessions and kind of communicating with the head coach one of the questions here is uh from wesley one says do you communicate with the team coach when designing your sessions so that they are similar to what the players are going to be working on so for example if the team is doing crossing in their sessions or with the team will you implement that into your session so throughout the week do you have specific days that you do certain things and then adapt it to what the coaches need or is it always in in collaboration with the head coach yeah so basically the, the you know obviously uh, tab and the and the assistants they they plan out the the weeks that we're doing what's needed again these things are going to change because that's football and then from there i have my week how i think my low medium high days need to be obviously the topics and then depending on what i think is needed i try and fit it in to match up obviously with what they're doing with the team you can't always do that there's going to be a day where they're doing some sort of crossing and finishing and it's not a good day for me to do the crossing so you know they're pros they're you know they're going to see some crosses probably every day so it's just a case of you go with it but if there's certain things where we're doing a lot of 1v1s 2v1s 3v2s those situations then i'm going to try and work on 1v1s first to make sure that the flow goes flow goes correctly but you've also got to make sure you've got to get your periodization in for that week or what sessions you need for that week then maybe it's a three week a, a three game two week so you've got to balance that off as well um, so it's not as simple as just mirroring everything. Obviously, the head coach chooses what the team's going to do, and then you work off of it and, and obviously explain what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. That's a good answer. And uh, for me, as again, as a, from a goalkeeper coach perspective, when you're watching a, co a coach train, let's say it's a younger coach who's up and coming, have you ever noticed anything that like that's something that you continuously see from goalkeepers that are or goalkeeper coaches that are this close to making to the pro game? Is there anything that they're missing in terms of like characteristics, maybe their service, or is there something that like you could help? younger coaches who were almost on that point, like what they could kind of key in on and work on. Just make things game specific. If you can uh, make your spacing correct. You know, it's 
you see people doing 1v1 exercises and they're two yards off the line. And you're like, well, you would probably wouldn't be in that shape at that point of the game. You know, that might be something that needs to be done 12 yards or 14 yards off the line, you know, crossing. And I'm guilty of it as well. We cross from two yards off the sideline. The amount of crosses that come from two yards off the sideline in a game, <laughs> I mean, you might see one every four games other than set pieces, obviously, um, which is different to different to crossing. So where are you doing your crossing from? How are you moving into those sessions? They're all the pieces. And, and then what's neglected? For me, there's still too many bits, you know, where it comes to distribution, simple handling, angle stuff. It, it's it's making as much of it specific to the areas they're going to see during a, during a game. That's a great point. So making those areas or making those sessions that are game specific, what is your favorite session to put on? The one where I don't have to get get into it with the <laughs> goalkeepers. Uh, I like doing technical work. I just do. I like coming up with different ideas to try and make them think, to get them to ask questions. But there's not there's not an area where I turn around and go, oh, I don't want to do this today. Um, crossing is always an interesting one for me because setting up crossing activities is very difficult because the quality of service in the MLS is very good and the quality of my service or the other goalkeeper's service isn't going to be as good. Um, they're going to argue that, but it's not. <laughs> um, and typically I don't do the final part of a session. For me, the final part of the session is with the team. That's where they're doing the shot stopping. That's where they're doing, you know, crossing, whether they're doing 1v1s, whatever. There's no point me running at them 1v1 because me running at them 1v1 isn't quite the same as, you know, uh, uh, one of the top players in the league running at them 1v1. I mean, me and Carlos Vela, we don't have a lot in common. <laughs> you know, so it's, but it's, that's, they're the things you've got to think about. Am I wasting time? trying to do a session that actually is so slow and so unrealistic that yeah, it, it's a waste of time, so to speak. Got it. Okay, but uh, we have a few more questions here, but one again, one for me is, I'm sure you, you saw with uh, Emilio, I think his last name's Alvarez, he was a goalkeeper coach at Man United, and when De Gea was on top of the world, considered number one in, in the world, he was applauded as a great goalkeeper coach, his philosophies were working, he knew what to get. Uh, in terms of the best out of De Gea. But then De Gea's dip or in, in form started coming, and a lot of people started blaming him. The club said that they had differences in opinion in terms of how he was running his sessions. So, And then they let him go eventually. But so my question to you is, how much is the goalkeeper coach, do you think, should be responsible for the goalkeeper's errors and mistakes, and how much credit should they get for their success? Yeah, I won't read everything you read in the paper as well about what happened at <laughs> United. But, um, Bone boy, yeah. The, uh, yeah, we were talking about it at the beginning of the season with the coaches. They're like, you know, every time a goalkeeper makes a mistake, all the eyes are suddenly turned and they're, <laughs> they're staring at you like you were the one that decided to do it. For me, it's it's part and parcel of the job. I've been called all sorts, on the bench, off the bench, you know, and your job's to protect the keeper if, if it really wasn't their fault. And if it was their fault, then, you know, you've you've got to go through the conversation with the with the other coaches and, and make sure that everyone's on the same page. Um for me, you don't take the highs and, you know, you probably live the lows more than you take the highs. That's for sure. I mean, it's it's great when your goalkeeper does something well and, and you're pleased for him or for her. But it's, you know, I've heard coaches say it in the past about goalkeeping coaches, myself included, where, oh, they've done a great job. That's why they played that way. Well, no, actually, the player played that way. We're just, yeah. facilitate, we're just facilitating their training. Of course, it feels good when everything goes well, but it, it does, I think, with goalkeeping, feel real low when your goalkeeper doesn't do well or there's a bad mistake because you feel for them. 
that's that's the main thing. It's not a case of you want to get on them. You you see the mistake, you know it's a mistake. They know it's a mistake, and now you've got to try and you know protect them and get them back up as quick as you can. All right, Paul, I want to get you out on this. In your coaching career, I mean, you've coached some of the best goalkeepers in, in American history and in the world. So do you have any stories from your career that just one story that really stands out for you, something that you guys won, a uh, conversation or just a session that something that really stood with you? Um, no, not, not really with players. I think, you know, obviously I've been around some, some big highs and some massive lows as well. I think I've learned more and I've probably held on to more of the lows than anything else. I, I think the biggest thing for me as a coach has been, like I say, some of the coaches have been around it, and some of them aren't. You know, there's a gentleman called Mike Sanich who no one is going to know. No one will even be able to Google him. He's a lad that lives in Indiana, was a great coach, older than me, but just made me understand goalkeeping a little bit better. And this was, in, this was when I was in my mid-20s. I'd already been through some, you know, some stuff with, with UEFA and whatnot. And he really, it's some of the stuff that we went through has really stuck with me, um, situations like that. And then certain head coaches you work for where you, you get to understand a little bit more about where the game is and, and bits and pieces like that. But not one, not one specific conversation with a player or even a coach that has, has stayed with it. It's kind of bringing all the different bits in and then trying to figure it out yourself. All right, Paul. So anything, again, anything that you want to promote, anything you got going on in your life, uh, again, with this quarantine, it's kind of tough because the season should be going on, but it's not. But anything going on with you from your own academy to anything you want to uh, just give a shout out to? No, not really. I mean, well, I, we're doing stuff to performance goalkeeping in this time as well, just collating sessions. And uh, we've got a blog that we're going to start putting a bit of time into just to share some ideas. And, and hopefully people will give us ideas of what to write about um, with myself, Jason, Ryan and Brenton. Um, but no, I mean, it, it, for me, it's yeah, we sometimes again we use social media a little bit too much to promote, <laughs> to promote things that we that we shouldn't. But you know, I think there's some good groups out there, yourself included, that are trying to do, you know, trying to share the message and, and keep people occupied with the goalkeeping. So as long as everyone keeps doing that, I think we'll be uh, we'll be all right. Well, Paul, again, it's been a pleasure for me to have you on here. I've watched your sessions for years and years and years. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of like Jason in that sense where I'm always just like a student. Not, you don't like to say student in the game, but just always watching content and trying to create that bridge between someone like yourself, someone like Phil Wedden, where like you can share your opinions and things that I can learn from as well. And it's been a breath of knowledge. And again, all the best to you, all the best moving forward. Excited to see Houston goalkeepers moving forward this year hopefully when you guys play against the galaxy it's not too good of a performance but nonetheless i appreciate you having on or i appreciate having you on and uh hope you have a great day brilliant thanks a lot thanks for having me see you guys take care